I hope that's all our plea tonight, that song that they just sang. Set our soul afire, Lord. That's what we need to be effective in this community. So we need our hearts set on fire. I just want to thank my wife for being so encouraging. We're leaving the house tonight, and she goes, how come pastor asked you to preach tonight? Couldn't find anybody better? <laughs> See, I always give the last laugh, right? But honestly, I do want to thank pastor for this opportunity to bring a message to you. I'm going to be honest with you, about a month and a half I was struggling with junior church. I was at my wit's end. I was thinking I was failing Haley, I was failing Rhea, I was failing the van kids. And I made a phone call to Josh Rickard. And I'm so excited for VBS to see Brother Rickard again and just have Josh as a friend. I asked Josh, I said, what do I do, brother? I'm failing these kids. I got to do something that's going to be an impact for their lives. We lose our van kids about the age of 13. And that's why, if you notice, I've been bringing Aaliyah when she comes on Wednesday nights. Because I'll fight with Brother Mike. I'm by your side, brother. I'll fight to keep these kids as long as we have. Because once we lose them, they're in the world. So I asked Josh, I said, what do I do, brother? And he asked me what I was doing. And he said, well, here's what I think you need to do to improve. I said, okay. He said, you need to find a character. And you need to tell that story of that person. And you need to encourage your kids by doing that. And I said, all right. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, who, who can I teach about? And the Lord said, what about Moses? As we were, as we were, that's where I was reading at that time in my Bible was Exodus. And I said, okay. So tonight I'm going to bring you something that, Haley, you've heard some of it in junior church, but it's deeper than that because I didn't want, I didn't think you guys were all on that level, <laughs> Tyler, but anyways, <laughs> it's good to have you guys back, I love you guys, but I'm going to start in Genesis, or sorry, Exodus 2, I'm just going to read the first 12 verses here and then we'll get going with the message, it says, and there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a godly child, or goodly child, sorry, she hid him three months, and when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, brink. And his sister stood afar off, to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, talking about Moses' sister, to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. 
And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for the opportunity of opening your word, Father, to just talk about this man Moses for just a little bit. Father, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life through this man, through the story of this man, Father. Lord, I just pray that I be effective in my conveying of the story of Moses tonight, Father, Lord, as we look at some of the lessons that we can learn from his life. Lord, for most here tonight, it won't be nothing new but a refresher, and I pray, Lord, that your spirit would say things that I can't say, Father. And Lord, use me tonight. Be with our teens, Father, Lord. Be with Brother Kenny and Miss Tiffany. Lord, use the messages, Father, at Silver State to reach the hearts of our young people, Father. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If we look at Exodus 2, 11, it says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was growing that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brothers. And he looked this way and, he, and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The first thing that I want to say about Moses tonight is he knew who he was. I don't know how he knew he was, an Egypt, he was a Hebrew, because all logic would tell him that he's an Egyptian. He was given to Pharaoh's daughter at a young age. He grew up in Egypt, so all logic would tell him, you're an Egyptian. I say to you tonight, before you were saved, you spent your life growing up in the world. We work jobs, some of us, nine to, nine to whatever, whatever your hours are, Monday through Saturday. Some even, unfortunately, have to work on Sunday. But I ask you tonight, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in Christ? John 15, 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I would ask you tonight, what's the world feel about you? the world find it easy to be around you? Does the world feel at ease? Or do they think, well, here comes that Christian. What's he going to say this time? What's he going to do this time? It says the world should hate you. That's Christ's words, not mine. So I say, does the world hate you tonight? And then I also want to look at the fact that not only would logic tell me he was an Egyptian, but he took a stand for who he was. Are you willing to take a stand tonight against the world? God will teach you who and how to take that stand. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, 
and he delighteth in his ways. I was thinking about that as I studied, and we grew up in Lead. And if you've ever been up to Lead, there's hills that go like this. Sometime when it snowed, we couldn't drive up there. It was too dangerous. So we'd have to park at the bottom of two hills. We'd have to climb that first hill, and then we'd have to cut over and climb another hill to get to where we lived. And as a little kid, some of the times the snow was up to my shins and my knees. So I needed somewhere to step. So I'd always find where my dad had walked because his footsteps were there so I could follow them. And I say to you tonight, Christian, God has laid out the steps already. Are you looking for those steps to follow those steps? And then, then I just want to talk for a minute about who are we in Christ? Do you understand tonight we are made in the image of Christ? Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I'm so thankful to know that I wasn't created by anything in this world. I wasn't created by a big bang that happened and boom, our noses are all in the same places. Our ears are all in the same places. Go figure. But glad those two rocks collided one time to create it. No. I'm glad I'm created in the image of God. Number two, who are we in Christ? We're to be soul warners. John 15, 16 says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that, who's, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. If you want an opportunity to be a soul warner, if you want an opportunity to do something for God, this Saturday we're having saturation. I understand if you've got to work, but if you'd rather be at the lake, if you'd rather be somewhere else than saturating this city with the gospel of Jesus, shame on you. There's not going to be a better place to be this weekend than to be saturating Rapid City. We say we want to reach the city. Well, this weekend it's time to be real. It's time to answer in our hearts. And I know some people are going to be out of town and whatever, but if you're here, it's our job to reach this city. God put us in this city for a reason. And we're to be soul warners. We need to tell people through our literature that, hey, there's a church that cares about you, but more importantly, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that sent his only begotten son to a cross to die for your sins. The third thing that I see that who we are in Christ is we're prayer warriors. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. You know why we don't have? Because we ask not. God is faithful to give us according to his will, of course. But he'll answer our prayers, and he'll, tell, he'll give us abundantly more than what we could ask or think. But we're too selfish, we're too stuck in our own ways to acknowledge that blessings come from God. But not only did Moses know who he was, I see that Moses was faithful 
to the mission God gave him. I could ask tonight how many people know the story of Moses going to Pharaoh, and even the little kids would shoot up their hands and say, hey, I learned that in Sunday school, and everybody would know it. But I got a question. How faithful are we? I can just see Moses going to Pharaoh and saying, Mr. Pharaoh, let my people go. It's time that we go worship God. And Pharaoh saying, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And Pharaoh coming back and saying, or Moses come back and say, Pharaoh, it's me again. It's time to let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, you're not going. All the time, God is sending plagues and saying, Pharaoh, let them go. Look what you're doing to your own country here. And Pharaoh, through his pride, said, nope, they're not going. And I believe there was 10 plagues, which means there was 10 times that Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said no, until finally Pharaoh had no choice because his own people started saying, hey, let's let him go. Look what's happening. And he finally let him go. But my question for you tonight is this. Are you that faithful? If you want something that you think is according to God's will, let me ask it this way. Do you have a loved one that's unsaved? Do you have a loved one that ain't living for God? How often do you go and say, Lord, save them. Won't you save my uncle? I spent time with my uncle this week because my grandma's been in the hospital. And I look up to that guy. When I was young, he taught me how to wrestle. I used to go over to his house because he's only about 10 years older than me. And he'd work on my wrestling with me. And we were in grandma's room, and my grandma, being a Christian, started talking about God, and my uncle, being a mocker, said, well, why didn't he catch you? And my heart broke. And I went to God again. I said, save him, Lord. Show him righteousness. Lord, you said it's not your will that any should perish. And you know what? I'm going to keep going to God. I'm going to keep going, and I encourage you tonight. Because I know I could go around this room and everybody would say I have an unsaved loved one. And I want to encourage you tonight to do the same thing. And if everybody you know is saved, praise God. I'm sure you know somebody that ain't living right. And we need to go to God. We need to say, God, help them live right. And we need to be faithful to that mission. And another thing we need to be faithful to is, as I said earlier, we need to be soul warners, winners. The Lord gets the victory. In Joshua 1, 7, it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Can I encourage you tonight to be strong in whatever mission it is that God's given you to do? I need to be strong in junior church. I need to be courageous. I need to tell them and encourage these van kids to be strong and courageous and say, keep going for the Lord. Don't get sidetracked. I know it's hard. You're only here one hour a week or a couple hours a week, but you can do it. And that's what I want to encourage you guys tonight is whatever you're doing for God, 
Be strong. Be courageous in doing so. Be faithful. We'll get to that in a minute. But the third thing I see is in Exodus 14, 16. It says, But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on the dry ground through the midst of the sea. Many of us know the story of when the Pharaoh finally said, okay, you guys can go, and God's people go, but then Pharaoh says, whoa, saddle up the horses, get the chariots ready, we got to chase them down. And I can see Moses running away and comes to the Red Sea, and he's looking back, he sees Pharaoh gaining on him, he says, what now, God? And God says, lift up thy rod. And he lifts up the rod and the sea, the Red Sea comes up over them and they're able to cross over the Red Sea. It's a pretty miraculous story. Almost it seemed impossible. But I'd say today we have things in our life that seem impossible. And as Moses did, can I encourage you tonight to trust God? No matter what it is in your life that seems like, I'm never going to overcome this. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Whether it be a pet sin or whatever it is in your life that seems like it's not working, trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It says, and lean not unto thine own understanding. It's pretty easy to do that, isn't it? It's pretty easy to say, okay, this is what I can see. This is what I know to be true. So this is what I'm going to do. But God says, no. Lean not unto that. Trust me. In all your ways, acknowledge me. And he shall direct thy paths. You want your paths directed? Trust God. Something seems like it's never going to happen for you. If it's his will and you trust him, it'll happen. Psalm 56, 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Something have you fearful? I said my grandma is in, in the hospital. But mom called me on Friday. And I didn't know the extent of it, her being 90 years old. I didn't know how things were going to work out. But she said, they're doing a blood transfusion. And not being a medical doctor, not being anything, being ignorant towards the medical field, I heard transfusion. My mind obviously, or all of a sudden went to, they're going to transfuse her blood. They're going to take some of the old blood out and put new blood in. This can't be good for a 90-year-old person. And God said, trust me, I got this. No worries, I got it. So at work, I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Whatever you do, Lord, we're going to trust you with this. Get to the hospital that night, and they explained to me what happened, and I was like, that's it? All they do is put an IV in you, and they put new blood in the, to build up your blood? I was like, that's silly. What was I? And God said, I told you I had this. You're thinking they're going to take all their blood, empty your blood, blah, 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 blah. Because that's what the devil wants. The devil wants us to fear. The devil wants us to take our trust away from God. And then we'll turn away from God. God says, trust me. I got this. No worries. 
The fourth thing I see is no matter what others around you do, keep serving God. Exodus 16, 2 through 3, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. There might be people that complain about what you do or what you stand for, but keep being you. Keep being faithful to God. Keep being the Christians that you are. Keep standing, no matter what others do around you. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's for you, it doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the devil does. If God's for you, who can be against you? Absolutely nobody. Exodus 16:15 says, And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. The fifth thing I see is be thankful for what you have. This is the first time manna shows up in the Bible. Shortly after, what happens? We don't want this stuff no more. What are we, this is all we get. Why do we have to have manna? Blah, 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 blah. Where in this verse they're like, they seen it and they said one to another, it's manna, it's manna. God's taking care of us. It might not be much, but God's doing it. Like the song says, I thought about taking the hymn and singing to you guys tonight, but... I wanted this to be as enjoyable as it could be. But like the song says, little is much when God is in it. Doesn't matter if you have a lot in this life, or if you're just starting out or building something. If God never if God never blesses you with great earthly gain, just be thankful that someday he will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I had a conversation this week with a young man. He's just starting out. They just had their first kid. And he said, Brother Tim, pray for us. We're struggling financially. And he's a godly man, and I have no doubts about that. But he said, pray for me. And I was able to bear witness of how when me and Brandy first started out, we had barely anything. I remember going to my mom and dad at times and saying, hey, do you got 20 bucks we can borrow for gas to get us through the week? But 20 years later, I'm not saying we're rich by any means, don't get me wrong, but God provided bountifully for us. If we want to go out and eat, we just go out and eat. If I need a new shirt or something, I go out and buy a new shirt. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago when I was single. I think you were there, Lisa, when we were talking about this. I was living in my car. That's how far God's brought me. And I give praises to God that I was living in my car one time. But through it all, he was there. It doesn't matter how much you have as long as he's in it. 
Little is much when God is in it. Philippians 4, 2 through 13 says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The Apostle Paul said, I've been there. No matter what you're going through right now, I've been there. But we all know how Apostle Paul was used by God. He didn't care what he had. He still wrote the majority of the New Testament. He still went on for God. I just want to encourage you tonight, it doesn't matter what you have. God will bless it. God will be with you. God will take care of all your needs. Just be faithful to him. Number six, we should be able to call sin, sin. Exodus 32, 17 through 21. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither it is the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strotted upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee? that thou hast brought so great of a sin upon them. Moses didn't say, okay, we're going to have a self-help clinic, Aaron. I, I can see that while I'm away, things aren't working out, so we're going to sit down and we're going to conference about this. No, Moses looked at Aaron and said, what are you doing making these people sin? What are you doing? And we know how they were sinning. They were listening to the wrong music, but... I'm not going to get into that and not going to talk about the wrong kind of musical festival they have downtown here in Rapid once a year. I'm not going to call that out. You can make your own decisions on that. But Moses said, Aaron, what are you doing? You're making these people sin. I leave you in charge. I let you be the one that directs everything. And you make a false god. And not only do you make a false god, you have a party. What are you doing? You know, us as Christians, we should be able to look at each other and we should be able to say, hey, Jeff, don't be mad, but Jeff, I seen you were doing this. We should be able to put our arm around them and say, this is why it's wrong. We should be able to confront them, but do it in love. Confront people in love. Don't do it in a wrong spirit. Moses knew the sound that he heard was not pleasing to God, so he took the stand and told Aaron that he was responsible and like I said, we are responsible to those that God puts under us. Romans 15, 14, it says, And I myself am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, are able also to admonish one another. Paul said he was persuaded that they were living lives, that they were able to admonish other people. The Bible says... Don't call out sin in somebody else's eye when you life when you got a beam in your own eye that you need to take care of in your own life. 
You know, it's good to be able to admonish people and help them through their stuff, but don't do it when you're struggling with your own thing. Don't tell somebody, hey, those websites you're going to, they're not good for you, but don't look at my phone. You can't see what my history is on my web. It doesn't work that way. That's called hypocrisy. But clean up your own life so that you can be able to help others. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. You see, we can't go up to a new Christian and say, Hey, you're doing wrong. Knock it off. You got to be patient with new Christians. You got to baby them along. You got to raise them up to the point where they're adult Christians, if you will. We can't just take a baby Christian. It says, be patient toward all men. You know, when you're young and you're just trying to figure out things, you're going to make mistakes. I remember when I was doing Little League and I was learning how to catch a fly ball, how to track down a pop fly. There was some that I'd be right here. I'd be like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. And it'd fall two feet over there. You know, I didn't have it, but I was just learning. I was playing high school ball in eighth grade because I learned. I'm not bragging on myself, but when you learn and you got good coaches and you got good people to help you, around, help you along, you're going to get to the point where you need to be. Now, if somebody had looked at me and said, you moron, it landed two feet from you. What are you doing? If we go up to a new Christian and we say, you are you're a failure, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. But if we're patient with people and we say, hey, can I show you in the Bible where that's wrong? Can I show you in the Bible where God says we should be doing this instead of that? We're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to grow. And they're going to become adult Christians where they can help people. But can I also tell you in Numbers 20 and verse 7 through 12, I see another, I see the seventh thing. There's always a consequence for our own sins. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather the, the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give, you, it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto him, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod he smoked the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I've given them. You see, Moses had an opportunity to be a great leader, and I'm not saying he wasn't. I think Moses was one of the greatest leaders that we can read about in the Bible, and we all make mistakes, but he had the chance to show them God's going to take care of your needs. Watch this. And stand back and let God do his thing. But instead Moses took his rod and he struck the rock twice in disobedience to God. My 
warning to you tonight or my challenge to you tonight, if God says, stand back, I got this, don't get involved. God can take care of it. Moses disobeyed God and lost the right to go into the land that had been promised to his fathers. I'm not sure what the punishment for your sin might be, but this do I know. I do know. There might be a little pleasure in what you're doing, but that pleasure will not last forever. Hebrews 11.25 says, Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, sin is wicked, sin is dirty, sin is evil, sin is wrong. But you know what? For a season, it's also pleasurable. For a season, you can enjoy it. For a season, it's going to be okay. I don't know how long that season is. I can guarantee you when God says enough's enough, then it's over. But the Bible tells us there's pleasure in sin for a season. But when it is done, what does it bring forth? James 1.15 says, Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You see, Moses had this dream. Moses knew what was going to happen. Moses knew, I get to lead the people into the promised land. I get to be the one that's there when we step over that boundary and we're in the promised land. What Moses didn't plan on was his sin getting involved. But I tell you tonight, we'll go to number eight, and that's the death of this great man. There is coming a time when we will all die. Moses was no different, but even in death, Moses gave us some things to think about. Psalms 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. When we live a life consecrated to God, our death and the fact of our homecoming, our homegoing is precious to the Lord. You see, I didn't write it down and I wish I would have. But when Moses died and it was Moses' time to depart, the Lord said, come here, Moses. Come with me. I want to show you something, Moses. And they stood up on a hill. And the Lord said, look out, Moses. Look at that land. Look at that land that's in front of you. That's the land that I promised you. But because of your sin, you don't get to go in, Moses. You don't get to enjoy that land that I promised you. But you're going to come home with me. And your people, who you've done such a great job leading, they're going to go into that land. They're going to inhabit that land. And they're going to enjoy that land. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Friend, the life you're living right now will follow you to your grave. If you're living for Jesus and you're doing most things right like Moses did, you're going to have a godly heritage that's going to go into the promised land with you. If you're sowing sin and you're lifting up sin and you're sinning, 
your younger generations are going to follow in those paths. They're going to start sinning. They're going to start living their life for sin. The thing that hurts me the most is I read about these godly men that I love to read about. If you know me, I love sports. One of my favorite people to read about is Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday did his best to live for the Lord, but his kids didn't. So I'm not guaranteeing you tonight that if you live for God, that your kids are going to follow your path. But I will tell you there's a better chance than not. If you teach them how to live godly, they are going to live godly. And I think when it was all said and done, and Moses took, or God took Moses up to heaven with him, and everything that Moses had done overall, I think God was able to look at Moses and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You led my people out of bondage. You delivered the Ten Commandments. You did this and you did that. And I wonder tonight if God was to come down right now, put his arm around my shoulder and tell me, it's time to come to him. If when we got back to heaven, if he'd look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to do everything I can in the time that God has allowed me to have left here on this earth to please him. I'm going to give my all to junior church. And if God calls me and Brandy to do something else, I'm going to do that. But I want to challenge you tonight. Find a ministry. It might just be being a parent. And do it all with your might as unto the Lord. In closing, I'd say, know who you are. Be faithful to the mission God's given you. When things seem impossible, trust God. No matter what others around you are doing, keep serving God. Call sin, sin, and warn others that there's a wickedness to flee. Remembering always there's a consequence for our own sins. And then I say die in grace. Die with Jesus. Die doing all that you could do. So that God will tell you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray.